The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. mixed feelings about yesterday's basketball games, and here's why. You guys know I'm pretty big into sports betting. I kept it a little bit under wraps like the first two-ish years of this podcast, but it's come blasting out into the open the last two seasons. And yesterday, MLK Day, games all day was awesome. We had games all day. We had nine games. There was a postponement in there, but only later in the same day. That's a delay, I believe is the official term for it. And I think of my handicapping of those nine games, I think I had my leans right on like seven out of the nine. And then a couple, maybe it was like six out of nine. Then there were like two games where I didn't have any strong feelings on and one uh, that I just got flat out wrong. And of course, the one that was flat out wrong was the one we bet. I passed on my Knicks lean. I passed on my Spurs lean. I passed on my Bulls lean. Ah, idiot, Bespris. Idiot. You had three winners you left on the table, and instead I pushed with Miami. That one was, line was right. Line was spot on. And uh, got suckered into the marquee game, which ended up a shootout. That was the only way that the Bucks screwed that game up was to get it into a shootout. And, of course, that's what they let happen because that's what happens in games like that. You get so focused on scoring on the opposition, you don't think about how you're going to defend them. But anyway, let's break that down. This is Fantasy NBA Today, everybody, by the way. You guys probably knew that. It's weird that somebody would stumble, I think, into a podcast without knowing the button they're clicking on. But just in case you didn't know, this is Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Most of you knew that, but some of you might not have. You can just call me Dan, because Bespris is hard to say. Not that hard to spell, oddly enough. B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And I bring that up because that's where you can find me on the social media. That's a Twitter handle. It's at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or... Just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's the easiest way to find me. Twitter feed is usually the third search result. That's the last thing I could find. We're having a lot of fun over on social media these days, asking questions. By the way, I should mention, uh, because some folks are like, Dan, you're not answering as many questions as usual. I am. It's just that I can't get to all of them anymore. Two years ago, when there were like 20 questions a day, I could get to them. Now that there are like 80, I just, I can't. So I try to get to ones that are very... A little more theoretical as opposed to, hey, here's a trade I'm considering or, hey, here's my 11-category team. So if you have a theoretical question, that's what I like to talk about those. That's fantasy theory is fun, how you approach the game strategy-wise, stuff of that nature. And I'll also try to have office hours where I can just get to everything, all kinds of weird questions. So anyway, that's a good reason to check me out on Twitter. Go check out Hoopball Fantasy. That's the Twitter feed of our benevolent overlords at Hoopball. It's a news feed. Very important for following what's going on in the fantasy world. Many of you took my advice and did follow that over the weekend, and I think you'll be happy you did. Let's break down the MLK Day card. We only have a two-gamer tonight, so I think this will be probably a simpler podcast on the whole. But there was some stuff I wanted to go over yesterday. Knicks and Magic had the morning game, and it was ugly. 175 total points, a throwback. Magic shot 34%. Knicks shot 36%. Good gravy. Alfred Payton 
got most of the point guard minutes, which meant Emmanuel quickly only got 15. That right now is a true timeshare, which means neither one of those guys is a reliable fantasy option. Mitchell Robinson had some trouble at the free throw line, which is kind of his thing. If he doesn't, that ends up being a decent ball game. Not great, but again, 34 minutes. Like, there's nothing not to like about his outlook this year. He just had trouble. Everybody was drunk in this morning game. Vooch wasn't. He was great. And he was pretty much it. Aaron Gordon had a, had a beefy counting stat line, but couldn't shoot the ball at all. Uh, did make his free throws, at least. So I guess that was something. And I think you'll see more. This is sort of the Aaron Gordon ramp-up party. His minutes are now up. The hamstring stuff appears to be done. And uh, I, I think he should be trending up. He's, he's always going to have those little holes in his fantasy game that, you know, the, the field goal percent, the free throw percent, that stuff does kind of nick you. But... You know, his minutes were at 28 as he's been ramping up. As that gets to these mid-30s numbers, you're going to see the uh, the value move with it. The stuff to watch in this game was the point guard situation for the Knicks because, unfortunately, right now, Nerlens Noel is not rosterable. He's not playing enough. He's only there. He's only useful if Mitchell Robinson gets hurt. So he's a true handcuff in every sense of the word. And as much as I want to call Emmanuel quickly a, a long-term guy, and I, I think I call him a speculative ad in case he wins over the point guard job, and maybe he does as the season goes on. But right now, it's a hot hand thing, and Peyton's the starter. So he just has a path to the first seven or eight minutes of each half of the ball game, and it makes it harder, frankly, for quickly to win the minute battle. It's hard. You can't come off the bench and play like 16 minutes in a row. You'll run out of gas. It's just easier to rack up minutes if you're a starter. On the Magic side, Terrence Ross still cold, but starting to get things back on track a little bit here. Cole Anthony, after a good one, played tired in this. Six points, five boards, a steal, a block, two three-pointers, two for 12 shooting. Of course, if he makes another three of those shots, it's actually not that bad of a ball game. Then you're talking about, you know, 12 or 13 points, five, and then a one, one, and two in the cash stats. So I do believe he should continue to be on rosters. There's just, you know, from a starting point guard standpoint we've talked about before there just aren't that many and he doesn't have the same issues that Alfred Payton does Cole Anthony can make his free throws he can make some three-pointers if steals and blocks actually or steals in particular I think the block was likely a bit more fluky if the steals are there then he becomes pretty interesting so he should probably stay on rosters for now Payton quickly probably not probably not Minnesota was in Atlanta and the Hawks got fat in this one. They got to pick on a clunkier team and still only put up a buck 08, which, you know, honestly should have been better. Trey Young had some foul issues, and the Hawks actually went on a run when he was on the bench. So you just wonder about the chemistry on this team. Lucky for the Hawks, the Wolves are so bad with no Cat and no Rubio that, and uh, no Wancho, although a little bit less relevant there, that no matter what they did, they weren't about to catch Atlanta. Jared Vanderbilt, by the way, is a terrific streaming option this week, and we probably should have spent more time on that earlier this week on, on the Monday pod. He's been picked up in a number of my leagues. He's going to put up fat stats this week while Cat is out. And we don't know how long, because Cat actually tested positive. He's not actually, he's not technically in the, uh, he's not in the contact tracing protocol, which is like a week if you don't show a positive sign, you can come back. Now, unfortunately, in this just a heart-rending everything around Cat is, you know, he needs to test negative now a few days in a row and then probably get his conditioning back. We don't know how 
what impact this is going to have. So there's a window here for Vanderbilt, and we saw it before. If he's getting minutes in the mid-20s, he can go crazy on the defensive side. So I'd recommend him as a streamer in pretty much every format for a week, and maybe you get more than that. Wouldn't root for more than that because that means bad things are happening. But, you know, you take your two or three games here and just file them in the bucket. I mean, he really could average four defensive stats a game for a week. It's not a long-term thing, but for a week, you can do it. Just don't get into foul trouble. Not interested in anybody else on that Minnesota side in terms of filling stuff. Anthony Edwards, by the way, we haven't talked much about him because his fantasy game seems pretty whack so far, but he'll probably do more as the season goes on. He's a luxury stash. Clint Capella looks fine. 23-15, two steals, three blocks. Made his free throws. Had four turnovers in an odd twist, but who cares? He's now number 58 in 9-cat, and just storming up the board. Currently averaging 13 and 13.7 steals, 1.4 blocks. The uh, defensive stats appear to be kind of beginning to come around, and he's just, he's a monster on the glass. He's a monster. So that's working out great. Kevin Herter's going to put up huge numbers as long as Cam Reddish and Bogdan Bogdanovich are both out. The Hawks are pretty easy to handicap right now because most of their reserves that we're going to soak up touches and minutes are hurt. Bogdan's out, Reddish is out, Chris Dunn's out. Not that that really matters all that much. Gallo's still out. Seems like Gallo or Reddish, it's tough to say which of those two guys comes back sooner. They'll put a little bit of a squeeze on you know, Hunter, Herder, a little bit. But for now, your five starters for the Hawks are rolling in fantasy. Well, Trey Young's having his massive efficiency issues. But overall, I should say, they're rolling in that there's no one really coming for their stuff. San Antonio blew out Portland on the road. I figured they would have some kind of game plan for Dame, and they made him work pretty hard. Dame got to the foul line a bunch, uh, 35 points, so it's not like they stopped him completely, but they were basically daring other people to beat them in this game, and other people couldn't beat them because Portland also doesn't defend very well. One thing I will note, though, uh, all of the missing bodies for the Blazers, and C.J. McCollum, by the way, he's out for multiple weeks now. It sounded like it was going to be reevaluated in about 10 days, and now it sounds like because they found a, a small fracture, it's a, it's a month-long absence. So Portland is in real trouble. I don't know how long Ennis Cantor can keep up the energy level. So they'll go Rob Covington at center sometimes. They'll go Harry Giles for short stretches. He played 15 minutes last night. Um, by the way, on the Spurs side, and then I want to come back to the Blazers because they deserve a bit more of our attention. Rudy Gay had a big one. I still think he probably belongs on waiver wires. I know that I was hyping Rudy for a while, but there's just not enough minutes when they're healthy, and they're not even fully healthy. Derek White's still out. This is a blowout, so guys didn't log quite as many minutes as usual. LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't like rebounding anymore, but he did play better in this game, and he was going to get more minutes if not for the blowout. Jakob Pertl played well in his 21 minutes as well, uh, but that minute distribution does not augur well for the Jakob Pertl, Pertl power going forward. So uh, to me, I don't, I don't know that he's a... He's not a must-start guy. I don't even know that he's a must-roster guy at the moment. If anything happens to Aldridge, if he gets moved, and obviously, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the guy that slots in to play big minutes. Let's talk Portland for a minute. With no CJ and no Nurk... And both of them now seemingly out for medium or long-term, respectively. It's going to be a ton of Dame. That's an easy one. 
But then in terms of guys that kind of move across the line, Rob Covington has been struggling this year. He's going to get a lot better. He'll just have more touches. He moves closer to the basket. You're going to see more defensive stats. You'll probably see more rebounds if the other team ever misses a shot, which they sort of didn't in this ballgame. But then in this particular night, Mello actually had a pretty good game with two threes, two steals, and a block. I don't think you can count on the defensive stats. Rodney Hood had 21 in a starting role, but he also shot 64%, which feels somewhat unsustainable. Gary Trent Jr., who I thought would have a good ball game, went one for nine. And then Derek Jones Jr., who I believe is probably the safest pickup of the who's going to do some replacement stuff, only took four shots, but still managed two steals and three blocks. I think that four shots probably gets a little bit larger on the whole. That's that's extraordinarily low for a game where he played 30 minutes. But he's just locked in. They need him because, well, frankly, I mean, they need scoring now as well. So, it, you know, it might bounce around a little bit. But between Hood and Gary Trent, it seems like there's a bit of a hot hand thing happening there. Cantor is going to get his starter centers minutes. He definitely belongs on rosters. And you can start him knowing, of course, that the steals and blocks that he had in that first game with Nurk out that's not happening very often. Derek Jones Jr. is going to get you steals and blocks. And to me, that's what makes him the safest because the floor, he sets the floor with defensive stats, field goal percent, some rebounding that the other scoring types just don't have. You know, if Rodney Hood doesn't have a hot ball game yesterday, he ends up with two boards, two assists, and one steal. Gary Trent has the same issue. Three rebounds, one assist. And he wasn't hot, so there was no scoring and had one of the worst lines of the night. That's why I like Derek Jones, because he didn't even need to do anything in this game. And he still managed a decent fantasy night because of five defensive stats. So Derek Jones Jr., put him on your list as well. He's a longer-term streamer than uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who we just talked about in the previous game. And of the Portland pickups, I think you're going to see Hood and Trent probably get picked up more often because they score. But Derek Jones is the guy that has the easier path. Phoenix looked a little uh, rusty, not having played for a week. Missed their free throws. Mikel Bridges missed a bunch of free throws. That was pretty weird. Frank Kaminsky missed two. DeAndre Aiden looked pretty good. He actually looked like the, the time off helped him a bit. He went for 18 and 16 with a block. Chris Paul was fine, but the six turnovers weren't good. And Devin Booker was awful. Devin Booker has been, so far this year, one of the worst picks in fantasy sports. He's number 112. And he'll get better. There's no question he's going to get better. But usage is down. Percentages are down. All the things that made him so good last year are down. And and the hope that he was, you know, he'd kind of taken a step in the bubble not yet. Not yet. And it's possible that Chris Paul being around really does cap his upside in a way that puts him right back where he was. I think Devin Booker probably ends up in the top 40 range on a per-game basis. He's shown himself to be much more durable now that Phoenix is trying to win ball games. So you might be able to buy him low. The problem is that I don't think he's getting anywhere near where he was drafted. So you probably can't even buy him low enough. Cam Johnson, by the way, got the start, but Crowder saw more minutes. Something to monitor going forward. Looks a bit like a timeshare right now. For Memphis, uh, no Jonas Valanciunas. He's now back in the COVID protocols after a false alarm last week. This is apparently a not-so-false alarm. John Moran had 17-10. and 10. He looked pretty good in this ballgame. Slow-mo looked better. Maybe 
moving a bit more off ball, not primary facilitator. And Brandon Clark, he's he's now kind of coming into his own. 17-5 and 3 with two steals and a three-pointer. The shot is going down. Love to see a couple of blocks. He seems to be a bit more uh, steals heavy to this point. But either way, he's now climbed to the top 130 mark and rising. And rising. So that's good. You guys held on there or bought low. Do we want to run uh, Xavier Tillman out there with no JV? Meh. I'm not that. I'm not all that into it. And then DeAnthony Melton didn't even play. You can drop him. Sad but true. You can drop him. Milwaukee, Brooklyn. This was the big one. And sure enough, in the big one, Bobby Portis didn't get to do very much. Defensively, he was not helpful. You saw more Brook Lopez. You saw Milwaukee go heavy on the starters. And this is sort of what we were worried about, that, you know, Portis wasn't playing enough minutes to have those lines really hold up. And this one, it actually trended down. I still, you know, not that I want to just say he's he's going to be useless going forward, because I don't think he is. He's still number 88, even after a couple of quieter ballgames. We always kind of knew that his fantasy stat set didn't support where he was in 23 minutes a game. It just didn't. The numbers didn't add up. So now that he's trending down, I think you can probably do better. On the Brooklyn side, it sounds like Kyrie Irving really might be back tomorrow. In the meantime, you saw a lot from the starters in this game. KD, big. Harden, big. And then the the pickups we've talked about. DeAndre Jordan was very good in this game. 12 points, 12 boards, a steal, two blocks, and a perfect 6-for-6 shooting. Joe Harris had 20 points. Five threes on only 12 shots. His efficiency is crazy good. And then Jeff Green actually played a lot. 14 points, six boards, four three-pointers on six shots. When Kyrie Irving comes back, my guess is that Jeff Green is the odd man out. Joe Harris likely slides up to small forward. KD slides up to power forward. And Kyrie slots in next to Harden in the backcourt. Which might put a squeeze on Joe Harris. Of course, the thing is... Like, you know, KD taking 21 shots, Harden taking 25. It's conceivable that Kyrie's 17 or 18 shots or whatever he's going to land on this year, a bunch of those probably do come from Harden taking 25. That number probably trends down towards 18 or 19. So there's six for Kyrie, and KD maybe loses three or four. So there's another 10. That's 10 for Kyrie now. So now you're only trying to piecemeal the, uh, the other six or seven shots for Kyrie. So, you know, two from Harris, one from Green, one from Brown one from Shamit, whatever it is, kind of gets you there without Joe Harris dipping too far below the 12 shots he took in this game. But I do think that number goes down, and I think you need to watch it very closely. I certainly would not pre-drop on Harris because he's been too damn good this year. In fact, he's number 72 in 9-cat. But you got to ride it out and expect there to be a fall-off because there are just more guys around, and they're super high-usage guys too. I think DeAndre Jordan continues to have value. I mean, you saw they wanted him in there in this ballgame. He's a dunkmeister. Rebounds and dunks. 12-12 and 12 with two blocks on a perfect 6-for-6. Six six. I mean, you, you take that every day of the week. This is not a told-you-so moment because it's not going to be perfect and he's not going to play 38 minutes every ballgame. But 28-ish, 27-28 is more than enough for him to rack up rebounds. And there will probably be more in a lot of ballgames. Milwaukee... Hit a lot of shots early in this thing. They started to miss a bit more later. It's it's borderline remarkable that Milwaukee lost this game. 
they had 21 more field goal attempts than Brooklyn did, thanks to a 12 turnover gap. 12. Brooklyn just uh, went nuts. I mean, Jordan and, and Joe Harris combining for 32 points on 18 shots. That's pretty good. Throw Jeff Green in there. Hell, I don't leave out Green. 46 points on 24 shots for those three guys. Toronto blew out Dallas. Luka Doncic finally looks tired. Dallas needs their main guys back. Tim Hardaway Jr. played but wasn't really back. And I think that's all you can really say about this one. You're not going to adjust much. This is just a situation where the Mavs are, are gassed. They've been playing without half their team for a week and a half now. For the Raptors, Chris Boucher was brilliant again. Brilliant again. Kyle Lowry, very good. OG, good. Freddie Van Fleet missed all of his shots, but managed to sort of make up for it elsewhere. And Norman Powell had another decent ball game. Siakam, by the way, he's very up and down right now. Norman Powell played 23 minutes. Question that I would ask is, would he have played another three or four if this wasn't a blowout? And the answer is tough to say, because the other starters got their 33, 34 minutes. You know, they didn't really treat it like a traditional blowout. But maybe you get a little bit more norm. He's on the cusp right now. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, he's a guy that you're not going to want to miss it if he is finally getting it going. And overall on the year, his numbers are still uh, pretty darn poor. But I think you need to have him just kind of up on your screen in case in case this is it. And he's been added in most every league that I'm in, so not that many spots. 55% rostered right now. But that still means that there's a lot of spots he's not. Houston-Chicago figured this one would be a loss for the Rockets. Victor Oladipo made his debut, and it was a good one. And they actually shot the ball really well, but just got beat up on the glass. Christian Wood couldn't do it himself. Boogie was... I mean, Boogie can't throw it in the ocean right now. Six boards, four assists, but 0 for 7 shooting. I mean, make three or four of those, and it's really not that bad of a line. I will say, though, I'm beginning to worry a bit about whether Boogie's going to trend up fast enough to be... A hold. It, it seems like this is going to be a very long-term process to getting him into more minutes. Meanwhile, the rest of the Rockets, you can throw it out a little bit. You know, Wood was good. Depot was good. Eric Gordon had 21. Those guys are obvious ads. And then dude, John Wall. Chicago side, uh, Otto Porter sat this one out, thought he might miss the back-to-back. Zach Levine went big. Markkinen's looked really good this year. Wendell Carter Jr. kind of got outplayed by Daniel Gafford in this game, so his minutes trended back down, and that's going to happen. Kobe White, not really a nine-cat guy. Garrett Temple's seeing a lot of action these days. They like that veteran presence. I don't know that he's going to be fantasy-relevant, but he's playing minutes, and with no auto around, that meant that there was more for both Temple and Thad Young, and even Denzel Valentine, and uh, those guys were all decent enough. Not really changing my valuations on guys, though. Miami beat Detroit by six. Duncan Robinson at six more three-pointers. He has he's come roaring back after kind of a quiet start to the year, at least in terms of efficiency. Now his field goal percent up to 47. He's at four three-pointers a game or just under it, and he's number 82 in nine-cat. That didn't take long for him. Kendrick Nunn made a rare appearance in this ball game. They're still down a few players. Kelly Olynyk. Uh, was not fantastic, but still had nine points, three boards, three assists, two blocks, and a three-pointer. That's fine. 
Bam Adebayo looked really good. He's been energized in these two games back. You're not making a bunch of ads or drops on Miami, not until you see everybody back. Not until you see everybody back. Jeremy Grant just keeps rolling. Wayne Ellington got hot for Detroit in this ballgame. I don't think we can expect that to be a nightly endeavor, but keep one eye on it if they're suddenly like, oh, yeah, you know, it's Wayne Ellington time, and we're going to bench Josh, Josh Jackson semi-permanently. Blake Griffin is almost a drop at this point. He might even be a drop. He looks completely disinterested in Detroit basketball games. He's number 147, shooting 38% from the field. I, You know, fine. Like, a lot of that stuff should come back up, but good Lord, he's been terrible. Mason Plumlee was solid. Finally missed a couple of free throws and fouled out. And DeLon Wright went back to being a pumpkin, so that was the fear there. He's not going to be consistent enough. Derrick Rose was hot for the second game in a row. And maybe, uh, it's hard for me to give an ad rack, but he is number up to number 115 in 9-cat. So, yeah, I mean, give him a look. He's, he's doing more than expected in the defensive stats right now, and I don't know that those will stick, but field goal percent's usually pretty good because he doesn't take many three balls. A lot of attacking the rim, so he gets to the foul line, and that's a positive for Derek there. And the field goal percent could actually trend up more than it is right now. So, yeah, I'll call Derrick Rose an ad, at least while Killian Hayes is out. He's an ad. And then the Warriors waged a wild comeback over the Lakers. Kelly Oubre was good. Steph Curry was terrible for three quarters and then very good late. But nothing changed from a fantasy perspective on either side in this ballgame. LeBron was weirdly out to lunch for this marquee nighttime affair. Kuzma double-doubled, but, yeah, you're not, you're not buying into that. Montrez had a better one. Schroeder looked pretty good. But, you know, with the Lakers, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and then Schroeder's been okay but not great. Field goal percent's been very low. If that actually fixes itself, he could get to around the top 100. Montrez Harrell is right around the edge of the top 100, largely because his free throw shooting has been slightly better. I don't know if that sticks, but I'm not a big Montrez guy, and you guys know that about me. But at the moment, he's... Uh, he's a 12-team guy. I'm just not a big fan. I wouldn't say drop him. I would say try to trade him if you could, but I certainly wouldn't drop him. Reminder to everybody, and I, I didn't bother to on yesterday's podcast because we were sort of rushing and I wanted to get everything out, but one of the most important things you can do to support HoopBall is to open up an account with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. They are official sports betting online partner here at HoopBall. They've been wonderful for us. I told you last week and the week before about how I won the NFL Survivor Contest that they had running, and I won $115 for nothing. Didn't put a single penny up for that contest, and I won $115. I love it. I bought a Joy-Con for my four-year-old's Nintendo Switch, so now we can play together. You know how great that is? MyBookie.ag made that happen. Again, I didn't put a cent on the line. Won 115 bucks and got a cool thing that I can do with my kid. It's play money. Uh, they don't have any odds boost stuff going right now. Everybody's like, when are they going to do the next odds boost thing? You're going to have to wait on that. In the meantime, you just bet on uh, NBA with us here at HoopBall, our, our HoopBall gaming division, guys. So please go to mybookie.ag, open an account with promo code HoopBall. Make sure you enter that on the sign-up screen. The sign-up screen is like you make your username and password, and then you put in address, phone number, stuff like that, and then you, there's a spot to throw in 
a promo code. It says, where'd you hear about us? You can put in Fantasy NBA Today, and then what's your promo code? You type in HoopBall, all one word, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. I seriously, I, I could not, cannot express enough how important this is right now. Please go to mybookie.ag, open up an account with promo code HoopBall, and then tweet at me. At Dan Vespers, just say, Dan did the thing from the podcast, or Dan opened an account, or whatever it is you want to tweet. I have a prize that I can probably give you immediately. Immediately. How'd you like to how'd you like to play with the with house money? Gotta do it fast though. Only got a couple to give away. This Tuesday edition of the podcast, that's where we're doing it. I also wanted to mention that on yesterday's show, I threw out a recruiting pitch about a a sales position here at Hoopball. It's commissioned sales. And a bunch of you guys reached out. That surprised me because I figured this was going to be really niche I didn't know if any of you guys wanted to do sales. This fantasy NBA show. But I'll throw it back out there again today. This is a very specific recruiting pitch in that it is a sales position that is commission-based, but it's a pretty, pretty damn high upside on the commission scale of things. And you need to be available heavily during Pacific time call hours. Like, you can't just pick it up for 20 minutes here and there and have success. Like, you need to be able to really pour yourself into it during Pacific time call hours. So, Pacific time call hours are basically like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. roughly Pacific, and it doesn't have to be the entire time, but substantial amounts. So, if there are others of you out there that are interested in what I mentioned, opportunity to maybe make some money, making phone calls, there's a spot open. Email me, teamhoopball, at hoop-ball.com or tweet at me at Dan Vespers and just say, hey, Dan, interested in the sales position, interested in learning more, and I'll reach back out to you. Soon, I will. Uh, I know to the folks that have already reached out to me, I got your inquiries, and I will be responding to them shortly. But I'll put that back out there because, honestly, I was only going to do it yesterday, and then when a bunch of you guys reached out, I thought, crap, I guess I better do this thing for the week. Tonight, quick one. Quick one. Two-game slate. Oklahoma City at Denver. Nuggets favored by 10. Slight lead to the Thunder in this ballgame, largely because Jamal Murray continues to play slightly hurt, and the Nuggets haven't really fully engaged themselves in the season yet. Fantasy-wise, with Oklahoma City, you're just sort of keeping an eye on the non-Shea situation. George Hill was worse. He's been trending down lately, but his minutes actually were trending up. He's at 26 per game on the season now, which, looking at his numbers, nothing is all that far off from what you'd expect. I think the hope is that the 48% might come back up to 50. The 1.4 three-pointers, maybe that gets you a little closer to two. Maybe the three-and-a-half assists gets a little closer to four. I still think he should get inside the top 100. If he's playing 26 minutes a ballgame... Surprised, by the way, to see that trending up. I don't know. Does he get moved? Probably. I'm sure he's on the block as a solid veteran. Guy that playoff teams could really use. Contenders could really use a George Hill. So anything you do on that front, understand that he might be gone in March. And then, you know, Dort. Can he keep the defensive stats going? He's at number 113 on the season. Uh, Darius Baisley, who I think... There may have been a slightly premature celebration. He's number 165 because he can't shoot. Defensive stats and rebounding are really nice, but he can't shoot. And hopefully that number will come around. But there's really no precedent to say, well, it definitely will get to 46. 
It'll probably get higher than 37, but we don't know where. 41, maybe? So keep an eye on all of those guys. I mean, there's a possibility they all end up useful, and there's a possibility that none end up useful. Denver's hoping to get Michael Porter Jr. back for their next ball game, so we can mostly just write this one off until we see them at full strength. What do they really want guys to be doing? And then New Orleans might have Lonzo Ball back for this game in Utah. Jazz are just rolling right now. The only question I have for this game is, is this a letdown spot for Utah after they got their playoff revenge over the Denver Nuggets in their last ball game, which I'm sure was sort of a monkey off their back. Jazz are 9-4, and four, by the way. They've been playing good ball since they beat the Bucks. They lost to the Knicks on their road trip, then they beat the Bucks, and now they've rattled off five wins in a row. Uh, the reason I'm not touching this game today, and I would lean Jazz, by the way, if anything, is that these two teams play again on Thursday. So this is a great one, I think, where you can get a little bit of info and then use that info. I don't know. This is a tough one to really settle into. That that uh, The rule we talk about on the gambling side, you know, a team's first game back home after a long road trip, was sort of bludgeoned for Utah because they had this long road trip, came home for one game, and then went right back out on the road. So it's possible that this is actually kind of the start of their homestand, and you might see a letdown game. So probably leaving this one alone. Uh, good reasons, I think, to take both sides. But the more I talk through this one, the more I think I'd rather go Pelicans. But I'm not betting it. I can tell you right now on this podcast, I'm not going to have a wager on either game today. And if you're going to go, if you're going to do something silly, you know, you, you probably look at the Thunder, but most likely best to leave this thing alone. From fantasy perspective, would love to see Lonzo Ball start to settle in a bit more. I want, some, I want to see some more assists. I want to see some more assists. The stuff that was boosting him up the board late last year. It hasn't quite been there yet. Nothing really else in that second game. We know what Utah is. We know what the Pelicans are when they're healthy. Josh Hart, J.J. Redick, both kind of out of the picture right now. And this is just your very simple Tuesday. Simple Tuesday. That'll be my book. The Dan, the Dan Besper's memoirs. Simple Tuesday. When you finally get a day with a short card and you can save your voice a little bit. Anything else I wanted to tell you guys about? I don't think so. Come join us in our Discord. Premium subscribers, join us in our Discord. The tweet storms are happening in there every night. You want the world's fastest breakdown on the card? That's the spot to get it. Beat your buddies to the pickups on the waiver wire. Sign up for the Fantasy Pass at hoopdashball.com and get a pass into the Discord for premium access to the Hoopball Pros and the tweet storms. This was a shorter fantasy nba today thanks so much for listening everybody please subscribe to the pod leave that five star review if you have 20 seconds it really means the world to me but today like i said the big thing is i need you guys signing up for accounts over at mybookie.ag and if you want to drop in a deposit awesome play some place some bets have some fun or hit me up first maybe i can help you with that have a great tuesday everybody back at you tomorrow a much larger wednesday depending on what games actually happen, supposed to be a 10-game card. We'll deal with it when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Toodaloo. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.